Good morning to Sri Sri Radhakalachanji Dam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. Of course, those are seen with the material eyes and those that are seen with the spiritual or transcendental eyes. We are continuing to read from Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 1, chapter 13, text 46. This would have been a perfect day to make an excuse for staying home. As much as I thought about it, with all the icy conditions, I decided to give Krishna his due, his propers, and allow him to guide me to the temple without sliding. So I could not use the excuse of the battery died. It was too cold. It was slippery. I thought I made a commitment to give the text. And if Krishna was willing, he would allow me to do so. So that's another example of having pure faith in Krishna. That's the nice part about it. When you have given yourself to Krishna and surrendered to Krishna, he, but initially your guru and Krishna, are more than willing to give you the blessings and the mercy and the protection, the love, and all that is necessary to continue with this mission. And I remain ever so grateful. As a matter of fact, I try to make different stories of the past times that I've had, not make them up, but just remember them. Those are the times when I knew that I was not in control and Krishna was in control, and I've got quite a few of those pastimes. That's something that keeps me going, and I pray those that are listening will have the opportunity to have those pastimes, those leelas, those confirmations of, yes, Krishna does exist, yes, he is real, and yes, he is ready and willing to accept you more than you are willing and ready to accept him. However, or so forth and so on, uh, before we start the reading of the text, we always like to begin by singing Jayarada Madhava. Jayarada Madhava Kunja Bihari Jayaradamadhava Kunja Bihari
Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Yashoda Nandana Brata Chadaranjanan Yashoda Nandana Brata Chadaranjanan Yamuna Tira Vamnachari Yamunatira Vamnachari Jayaradam Marhava Punjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Yashoda Nandana Prajajararanjanan Yashoda Nandana Braja Chararanjanan Yamunatira Ramnachari Yamunatira Ramnachari Jayaradham Madhava Kunjabihari Jayagopishanavalabha Kirivaradhari Yashoda Nandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yamuna Chiravanachari Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare 
We are reading chapter 13, which discuss your Drastra quits home. So much meaning in the chapter, so much meaning in each and every one of the texts. What a lesson it is that we should be getting, even from this chapter, chapter 13. Depending on what stage of life we're in, it really doesn't matter anymore whether you're young or old. This lesson applies to everyone. Just giving up the things that one has grown accustomed to or that one thinks that one cannot do without. It's about what I see as detachment. And sometimes that is the most difficult thing to do, to detach from certain things. And there are a lot of things that we can detach from. But before we delve into that, We'd like to read text 46. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 
ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवा ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवा हलाकुनादीनो देहेय पंचभौतिथामस्तु गोपयत सफाग्रस्तो यथापरम कलाकमागुण्यादीनो देहेयम पंचभौति कथामस्तु गोपयत सफाग्रस्तो यथापरम कलाकमाकुनादीनो देहेयम पंचभौति अन्यांस्तु गोपेयात सफाग्रस्तो यथापरमुनादीनो देहेय पांचभौति कथामस्तु गोपेयत सफाग्रस्तो यथापरम कलाकमागुनादीनो देहेय पांचभौति कथामस्तु गोपेत सफाग्रस्तो यथापरम कलाटर्नल टाइम कर्मा एक्शन गुण्य Modes of nature, adina, under the control of, deha, material body and mind, ayam, this, panchabotika, made of five elements, katam, how, anyan, others, two, but but gopayat give protection sapagrastaha one who is bitten by the snake yatha as much as param others translation here is the gross material body made of five elements is already under the control of time eternal time kala action karma and the modes of material nature gunya how then can it being already in the jaws of the serpent protect others the purport here the world's movements for freedom 
through political, economic, social, and cultural propaganda can do no benefit to anyone, for they are controlled by superior power. A conditioned living being is under the full control of material nature, represented by eternal time and activities under the dictation of different modes of nature. There are three material modes of nature, namely goodness, passion, and ignorance. Unless one is situated in the mode of goodness, one cannot see things as they are. The passionate and the ignorant cannot even see things as they are. Therefore, a person who is passionate and ignorant cannot direct his activities on the right path. Only the man in the quality of goodness can help a, help to a certain extent. Most persons are passionate and ignorant, and therefore their plans and projects can hardly do any good to others. Above the modes of nature is eternal time, which is called kala, because it changes the shape of everything in the material world. Even if we are able to do something temporarily beneficial, time will see that the good project is frustrated in course of time. The only thing possible to be done is to get rid of eternal time Kala, which is compared to Kala Sarpa, or the cobra snake, whose bite is always lethal. No one can be saved from the bite of a cobra. The best remedy for getting out of the clutches of the cobra-like Kala, or its integrity, the modes of nature, is bhakti yoga, as recommended in Bhagavad Gita, 14th chapter, 26th text. The highest perfectional project of philanthropic activities is to engage everyone in the act of preaching bhakti yoga all over the world because that alone can save the people from the control of maya or the material nature represented by kala, karma, and gunya as described above. The Bhagavad Gita 14th chapter 26 text confirms this definitely. Om Ganyama Timarandasya Gananjanan Chalakaya Takshom Nilitam Yenatashma Shri Guruve Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yenabhuvave Swayam Rupa Kedama Yam Dadati Swapitam Bhutam 
What a wonderful text. However, it took me back to the previous text. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, just stay with me on it. When I was younger, when I was in, I think it was the fifth or the sixth grade, I had a teacher perform a survey or a test just to determine how information is disseminated. Stay with me on this because I'm making a point. What she did is there were 21 people, maybe more in the class. I mean, that was at a time when they would have almost 30 kids in the class and one teacher. But what she did was she started with the first person and she whispered a sentence to them. By the time she got to the 21st or the 28th person, that sentence that she had whispered exactly in each ear had ended up sounding nothing like the first one or the, the original statement. The point I'm making is that we must take care in information that we're repeating, first of all, and that Information given to an individual can be seen through that individual's mind differently. And as I've said many times, you can have various people sitting here and reading the same text. And what it means to them, even though they're keeping the essence of it, will be something totally different. Now, I want to do something a little bit different today. Generally, generally, I will read and I will expound on what it means to me. But I thought I would read exactly as the scriptures 
are written. Even though each and every one of us can understand it a little bit differently, what's still important is to keep the essence of the understanding. What I got from the previous text, the purport, was this. When we think of our kith and kin as being helpless and dependent on us, it is all due to ignorance. Every living creature is allowed all protection by the order of the Supreme Lord in terms of each one's acquired position in the world. Now that started me out on a destination here. The Lord is known as Butabert, Behert, one who gives protection to all living beings. One should discharge his duties only, for no one but the Supreme Lord can give protection to anyone else. This is explained more clearly in the following verse. Now, this is speaking of protection in general. In text 46, we understand the modes of material nature. We understand goodness, passion, and ignorance, or we will come to understand it. But what's more than important, or what I see as important, is how to get out of this whole circle, this cycle, how to stay on the path of goodness instead of slipping into passion and ignorance. Bhakti yoga, devotional service, are very key. We hear of it often. It's explained in various ways throughout the Vedic scriptures. In text, in chapter 14 in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 14, text 26, it speaks of bhakti yoga. The highest perfectional project of philanthropic activities is to engage everyone in the act of preaching bhakti yoga all over the world because that alone can save the people from the control of maya or the material nature represented in Kala, Karma, and Guna. So I thought I would go through and pick very direct descriptions of what one can do and how one can engage and how important it is to engage in devotional service. What are the requirements? What does it look like? What are the benefits? So I want to start with chapter 14, text 26. And today you will hear more of the reading, which is what we do anyway. We read it, but I want you to hear more of what is in the scriptures. Um, and you understand it the way you think it should be understood. And each and every one of you will have no doubt some different understandings of what we're reading. So, 14, 
chapter 14, text 26. Now this one, I'll read the shloka. Some of the other ones that I'll go through, I'll just address them as texts and the chapter that they're written in. And I'll read the um, the translation. But this is text 26. Mamchayo via bacharina bhakti yogana sevate zagunya sameti etan brahmabuya kalpate. One who engages in full devotional service, unfailing in all circumstances, at once transcends the modes of material nature and thus comes to the level of Brahman. This is only one of the many we're going to go through. The qualities, Srila Prabhupada uh, listed the qualities of a devotee. I'll read that one. I'll read that one if it comes up on the phone, if I get the internet. It's going to be Srimad Bhagavatam, 5th Canto, 18th chapter, 12th text. Is, is anyone getting the internet here? Are you able to access it? I had some difficulties pulling it up once I entered the building. Let's see what happens here. Okay, I'm still waiting on it. It should pop up just like that, but I'll give it time. We'll go on to the other uh, descriptions. This is still Bhagavad Gita, 14, chapter 14. Uh, I'm, yeah, chapter 14, text 14. And hopefully this plays out the way I usually want it to play out and that I go exactly to it and it's the point that I want to make. That's going to go ahead of what I want to go. Let's let's start here. Chapter 13, text 29, because I'll get ahead of myself with this one. Chapter 13 is on nature, the enjoyer, and consciousness. And in text 29... It states, one who sees the super soul equally present everywhere in every living being 
does not degrade himself by his mind. Thus, he approaches the transcendental destination. Now, keep this in mind. These are points that enhance uh, one's consciousness on the path, on the uh, devotional path. Text 31. When a sensible man ceases to see different identities, and these are the benefits also of bhakti yoga devotional service. When a sensible man ceases to see different identities due to different material bodies, and he sees how beings are expanded Everywhere, he attains to the Brahman conception. And what that says to me is when we could look at each other, and regardless of the package that we're contained in, if we can see the spirit soul, if we can at least relate to the paramatma in each and every one of us individually, then in essence we're on the right path. We are going down the wrong path when we begin to identify and treat others differently based on body or gender. On devotion, chapter 12 covers that quite well. And these are just reminder points. And it's a reminder for myself also because no matter how many times I've read the Bhagavad Gita, no matter how many times I've read the Srimad Bhagavatam, they always bear repeating again because even I get a little rusty. We all get a little rusty. We forget what we're really supposed to be doing because we get caught up in things around us. And once that happens, it's kind of hard to get back on track. So these are like reminders. So chapter 12 is on... Well, what do you know? Devotional service. Text one. This is, of course, Bhagavad Gita is, of course, a conversation between Arjuna and Krishna. And this one I'll read. Arjuna uvacha evam satata yukta ye bhaktastam paryupasate Arjuna is inquiring which are considered to be more perfect. Those who were always engaged in devotional service or those who worship the personal Brahman, the unmanifested. This is the start of chapter, this is the start of chapter 12. It goes on to the second verse, or second text. This bears repeating, uh, reading also. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha Maya Veshamano Yamam Nityap Yak Yukta Upasate Shradiya Pariopetas Tema Yakta Tama Mataha, the Supreme Personality of God had said, those who fix their minds 
on my personal form and are always engaged in worshiping me with great and transcendental faith are considered by me to be the most perfect. The next one is, of course, the popular, very popular, text 18, uh, chapter 18, text 66. And that's found in the chapter on the perfection of renunciation. Sarvadama purtyajai mami kam saranam vraja aham twa sava papio moksha yishami masuchaha Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. Now there's something about surrendering that's been confused in this world with dropping your guard and not having any will, any power whatsoever. But if there is any place in anyone that you would want to drop your guard and surrender to completely, it's Krishna. Why? He's taking care of you even when you didn't know you were being taken care of. He is the supreme personality of Godhead, and he cares and loves you better than you could ever love yourself. And he's perfect and complete. And he will do a better job with us than we could possibly do ourselves. The next text is um, 8, in devotional service. It's, this is the translation. Just fix your mind upon me, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and engage all your intelligence in me. Thus, you will live in me always without a doubt. Text 9 is again, of course, Krishna speaking to Arjuna. My dear Arjuna, O winner of wealth, if you cannot fix your mind upon me without deviation, then follow the regulative principles of bhakti yoga. In this way, develop a desire to attain me. And here Krishna is giving options. If you can't do this, do that. If you can't do that, do this. Because it goes on to the next text, 10. If you cannot practice the regulations of bhakti yoga, then just try to work for me. Because by working for me, you will come to the perfect stage. Text 11. If, however, you are unable to work in this consciousness of me, then try to act, giving up all results of your work and try to be self-situated. And this is speaking of those that are working, whether it's for a corporation or whether you are working at home and you're raising a family, that's a heavy responsibility. Whatever you're doing, 
in whatever manner you're working, dovetail everything in Krishna's name. Whatever you're doing, do it in Krishna's service. Do it for Krishna's service. And if you are doing it sincerely and properly, you cannot help but be successful in whatever that endeavor is. Text 14. Translation is, one who is not envious, but is a kind friend to all living entities, who does not think himself a proprietor and is free from false ego, who is equal in both happiness and distress, who is tolerant, always satisfied, self-controlled, and engaged in devotional service with determination, his mind and intelligence fixed on me, such a devotee of mine is very dear to me. Text 15. He by whom no one is put into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone who is equipoised in happiness and distress, fear and anxiety is very dear to me. That's text 15. 16. My devotee, who is not dependent on the ordinary course of activities, who is pure, expert, without cares, free from all pains and not striving for some result, is very dear to me. Money may be offered to a devotee. But, you see, here's the catchy part. He should not struggle to acquire it. If automatically, by the grace of the Supreme, money comes to him, he is not agitated. And I think we've mentioned that in class before. The Supreme Personality is the owner of the biggest bank in all the universes. So there is no lack. You do not have to Constantly beg for Lakshmi. If it is going to come to you through the mercy of Krishna and based on various performances by oneself, it will come. Otherwise, there's no need to constantly ask for it. Krishna knows exactly what our needs are. We don't have to tell him. Yes, occasionally there are some things we do need to seriously pray about. Krishna knows what our, our needs are even before we ask him. Next text coming up would be well, I guess we can also include this one. Text 17, the translation is one who neither rejoices nor grieves, who neither laments nor desires, and who renounces both auspicious and inauspicious things, such a devotee is very dear to me. To me, I'm understanding that this is saying one that is equipoised, whether something is seemingly beneficial to us or not beneficial to us, we should not be disturbed by it. Text 20. 
the good one. Those who follow the imperishable path of devotional service and who completely engage themselves with faith, making me the supreme goal, are very, very dear to me. And part of the uh, the purport here is, in other words, in this entire chapter, 12, it is decided that through good association, and this is in the scriptures and it's something that most of us repeat constantly, you cannot even understand how important good association is. I think the only time you really can understand it is when you actually have it. And you know when you have good association. Internally, spiritually, you know an association that is good for you, that is beneficial to you. And when you are taking two bhakti yoga and Krishna consciousness or devotional service, Krishna has his ways of communicating to us and giving us intelligence on many, many things. And one of them is the selection of good association. Uh, back, let me get back to that again. In other words, in this chapter, it is decided that through good association, one develops attachment for pure devotional service and thereby accepts a bona fide spiritual master and from him begins to hear and chant and observe the regulative principles of devotional service with faith, attachment, and devotion, and thus becomes engaged in the transcendental service of the Lord. This path is recommended in this chapter. Therefore, there is no doubt that devotional service is the only absolute path for self-realization for the attainment of the supreme personality of Godhead. Now, eventually, we are going to get to the point of the previous text as to why I thought that was a good point to jump off from. It's, we are getting to it. Um, in the chapter 18, uh, discusses the... Uh, the descriptions that lead to the perfection of renunciation. These are qualities that we're looking for. These are qualities that are necessary on the path of devotional service. They are qualities of a devotee, of a Brahman, of a, a spiritual warrior. And from these perfections of renunciation, if we have time, we'll get to those qualities. But there is a guideline that we have in being a devotee and what is required of us and what is unacceptable. In the perfection of renunciation, Arjun is asking, um, Arjun said, O Madhi one, I wish to understand the purpose of renunciation, tiaga, and of the renounced order of life, sannyas. O killer of the keshi, demon, master of the senses. So he's addressing Krishna. Actually, the Bhagavad Gita is finished in 17 chapters. 
The 18th chapter is a supplementary summarization of the topics discussed before, which is why it's a it's a good place to start with the Bhagavad Gita instead of jumping uh, to the Srimad Bhagavatam. That's the college level, beyond the college level of understanding uh, the Vedic system or the Vedas. The 18th chapter is a supplementary summarization of the topics discussed before. In every chapter, the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna stresses that devotional service unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the ultimate goal of life. The same point is summarized in the 18th chapter as the most confidential path of knowledge. In the first six chapters, stress was given to devotional service. Yoginamapi Savesham, of all yogis or transcendentalists, one who always thinks of me within himself is best. In the next six chapters, pure devotional service and its nature and activity were discussed. Again, the overall point that is being made here is the importance of devotional service, understanding what it is, because most of us that are devotees, including myself, have forgotten it. And every now and then we need a wake-up call. I need a wake-up call. So I thought I'd share my wake-up calls with you. Uh, text 20. In the Perfection of Renunciation. That knowledge by which one undivided spiritual nature is seen in all living entities, though they are divided into innumerable forms, you should understand to be in the mode of goodness. Text 21. No, we won't read that one. Because that one's going to lead into uh, a little bit deeper discussion. And as I said, I always take into account that not only you're listening, people that are listening around the world, there are people that are listening actually in the neighborhood. So I want to be direct on some of these points. So that because they're not in front of me, um, there won't be too much to question. It's like pretty much matter of fact. Text 23. The, that action which is regulated and which is performed without attachment, without love or hatred, and without desire for fruitive results, is set to be in the modes of goodness. And we are discussing the three modes. Text 25. But action performed with great effort by one seeking to gratify his desires and enact it from a sense of false ego is called action in the mode of passion. Text 25. That action performed in illusion, in disregard of scriptural injunctions, and without concern for future bondage and or for violence or distress caused to others, is said to be in the mode of ignorance. 
What that says to me is when you're not following the scriptures exactly as they are, this is what ends up happening. Text 26. One who performs his duty without association, with the modes of material nature, without false ego, and with great determination and enthusiasm, and without wavering in success or failure, is said to be a worker in the mode of goodness. We're going to jump to text 28 because text 27 requires a discussion. Text 28, or text 27 requires a discussion. Text 28, the worker who is always engaged in work against the injunctions of the scripture, who is materialistic, obstinate, cheating, and expert in insulting others, and who is lazy, always morose, and procrastinating, is said to be in the mode of ignorance. Actually, that is self-explanatory. Text 30. O son of Prita, that understanding by which one knows what might, what ought to be done, and what ought not to be done, what is to be feared and what is not to be feared, what is binding and what is liberating, is in the mode of goodness. Skipping to text 37. And these are all solidifications of the importance of devotional service. And it's a reminder. Some of you are expert at remembering this. I'm not. But I thought it was a good time to remind ourselves based on a lot of activities that are going on. When you actually see that one who should know what devotional service is, is not performing it in the least. And as I said, even I need a wake-up call. It makes a difference when you're on the proper path. It has an impact not only on you, but your surroundings and the community, wherever you are. Text 37. That which in the beginning may be just like poison, but at the end is just like nectar, and which awakens one to self-realization is said to be happiness in the mode of goodness. Now, that reminds me that initially when I took the opportunity to go to a temple, to associate with devotees, and to try to understand the philosophy, it was very difficult for me. And at one moment, at a particular moment, it was unpleasant because it was shaking my world. It was emphasizing things that I was not comfortable with. It was emphasizing things that I probably learned as a child in church, but I'd grown up and I'd grown out of it. And it was reminding me of my base. And initially, it was not very tasteful. But like the Maha Mantra and repeating it, over and over again, it's like a cleansing bath. 
every single one of us that is taking to the chanting of the Maha Mantra, that is taking even to initiation, you are considered to be in a bath, a shower. We are cleansing away the illusion that comes with the material world. No one is untouched, except, of course, those that are sent here specifically for a purpose. But all of us have a problem, have a something in our closets that needs to be rectified, that needs to be cleansed, and that's part of the process of the Maha Mantra. Text 38. That happiness, and this relates to text 37, that happiness which is derived from contact of the senses with their objects and which appears like nectar at first, but poison in the end is said to be in the nature of passion. That one is also self-explanatory. When we're attached to the sensory objects and to the senses until we understand how to control those senses, that which we're enjoying, which is not in the mode of goodness, will become eventually distasteful because it will lead absolutely nowhere. It will, well, let me put it this way. I remember, I'm not sure which Maharaj said it, but you can have a particular desire for sense, a sensory pleasure. And no matter how much of that sensory pleasure you get, you will never be satisfied. However, there is great pleasure with bhakti yoga, with devotional service. It does not lose its relishing nature. It does not lose it as long as you stay on the path. When you teeter and totter off the path, you begin to lose the taste again. That is why it is so important to chant, even if it is insincere. When you understand the importance of the sincerity of chanting, you will begin to reap the benefits. Even though you may not ask for it, they will come. Text 30, no, we did 38, text 40. There is no being existing either here or among the demigods. And I'm hoping you're taking these points and not falling asleep on it because I know it's point by point by point by point. I thought it necessary to do this. Um, if no one is getting anything from it, at the end of this, my sincere apologies. But sometimes we need to go over topics again. Text 40. There's no being existing, either here or among the demigods in the higher planetary systems, which is freed from these three modes born of material nature. 41. Hmm. Brahmanas, Kshatriyas, Vaishas, and Sudras are distinguished by the qualities born of their own natures. 
in accordance with the material modes. O chastiser of the enemies, each and every one of us falls under one of these categories, and it's important in Krishna consciousness to find out where you fit. And if you take to it seriously, you'll know exactly where you were fitting, where you're fitting in. Text 42. Peacefulness, self-control, austerity, purity, tolerance, honesty, knowledge, wisdom, and religiousness. These are the natural qualities by which the brahmanas work. Text 44, uh, text, text 43. It touched lightly on text 46, uh, text 45, but it is a very important point. We all have these defined roles that we feel women should fall under a category. Now, take this in the manner in which it is being given. And it is not to attack any particular gender. But in the process of devotional service, the quality of heroism, power, Determination, resourcefulness, courage in battle, generosity, and leadership are the natural qualities of work for the kshatriyas. Now, that is a sensitive subject, but it's one that's close to heart. It's one that has popped up in my mind constantly within the last couple of months. I come from a devotional group of devotees, um, the devotees in Gita Nagri. That was my example of what a devotee was, how a devotee acted, how a female gender uh, acted, and how a male, one of male gender acted. And I always felt that energy in Gita Nagri. And it's a wide space, lots of space. If you've ever been there, it's beautiful. When you step on the grounds, to me, I always feel like it's stepping on holy ground. Kind of like, but even more so, in I feel that in Mayapur or in Vrindavan. But in Gita Nagri, when I step on the grounds, the energy that I pick up is that I am protected. If for any reason, any of the females felt that they were not protected. There were, there was a group of men set aside specifically to protect them, to guard them, and it is a place that I visited regularly because I felt safe there. I think it's something that all of the temples need to be made aware of. I don't know exactly what it will take, but 
it is something that is of importance. It is of great importance. So think of that as a topic of something that we can work on. But there were other things from text 45 that I thought was good and prior to that. But the heroism, the feeling of protection, one should always feel protected in a dom. Going on to, let's see, text 47. And still we're on the path of devotional service, and that is under it also. It is better to engage in one's own occupation, even though one may perform it imperfectly, than to accept another's occupation and perform it perfectly. Duties prescribed according to one's nature are never affected by sinful reactions. That, in essence, to my understanding, is that even if you have a responsibility and you're working to perfect it, to be better at it, to be good at it, don't feel, don't feel lost. Don't feel like it's an impossible task to do. Do it anyway. You will do it with the blessings of the Lord, and he will make sure that you complete that, whatever that task is or whatever that responsibility is, successfully. We all can't be carbon copies of each other. All of us have our different levels of power. What is strong in one particular personality may be a little bit weaker in the next personality. Don't let those things keep you from being a person that can preach the scriptures. Even if you think you're not doing it right, keep doing it. Krishna understands whatever process of preaching that you're trying to do, whatever chanting you're doing, Krishna understands that, okay, sometimes it's a little difficult for me, but keep working on it. The point is, don't give up a responsibility or service on the path of devotion. No matter what the person next to you is doing, we are not carbons of each other. We're all connected, we're all family, but we all have different levels of potency. Text 48. Every endeavor is covered by some fault, just as fire is covered by smoke. Therefore, one should not give up the work born of his nature. O son of Kunti, even if such work is full of fault. And that kind of goes in line with uh, text 47. And we're going to go through a couple of other texts, and then I'll stop. But as I said, I felt this was very necessary to read. And if, but for no one's purification, but my own, um, and I'm sure someone, others are getting something out of it. I hope that you hear that are here actually physically in the temple room, can pick something from this list and work on it and let it give you some strength or some confidence in what you're doing, in what you're doing on the path of devotional service of bhakti yoga. Text 55. One can understand me as I am, as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, only 
by devotional service. Again, one can understand me as I am, as the supreme personality of Godhead, only by devotional service. And when one is full, is in full consciousness of me, by such devotion, he can enter into the kingdom of God. Text 57. In all activities, just depend upon me and work always under my protection. In such devotional service, be fully conscious of me. 58. If you become conscious of me, you will pass over all the obstacles of conditioned life by my grace. If, however, you do not work in such consciousness, but act through false ego, not hearing me, you will be lost. To elaborate on that point, no conditioned soul actually knows what is to be done and what is not to be done. But a person who acts in Krishna consciousness is free to act because everything is prompted by Krishna from within and confirmed by the spiritual master. Hmm. Text 59. If you do not act according to my direction and do not fight, and this is in warriorship because ultimately we're all supposed to be spiritual warriors. If you do not act according to my direction and do not fight, then you will be falsely directed. By your nature, you will have to be engaged in warfare. And saying that briefly is to say that right now, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, two years ago to this day, we have been in a spiritual war. We remain in spiritual war. We are to be spiritual warriors, not the type that we hear on the news and the radio, but warriorship, spiritually based. We all have a responsibility. And group-wise, nation-wise, we're all connected, in a sense, karmically. We have group karma. We have nation karma. And there are things that we need to be very strong on in fighting spiritually. Text 62. O Sayana Bharat, surrender unto him, Krishna, utterly. By his grace you will attain transcendental peace and the supreme and eternal abode. 65. This is a very popular one. Man manabhava mad bhakto mad yajimam samaskuru mam eveyashi satyamte patajane priyoshemi. Always think of me. Become my devotee. Worship me and offer your homage unto me. Thus you will come to me without fail 
I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. 66. Also, a very popular one. Sarvadama Pertyajai Mami Kam Saranam Vraja Aham Twam Sava Papie Mokshayishami Masuchaha. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. And the last one, 67. This confidential knowledge may never be explained to those who are not austere or devoted or engaged in devotional service nor to one who is envious of me. Even if one is, and further, it goes on, even if one is not sensuous but is strictly following the disciplines enjoined in the Vedic scriptures, if he is not a devotee, he also cannot understand Krishna. And even when one poses himself as a devotee of Krishna, but is not engaged in Krishna consciousness, he also cannot understand Krishna. These were points of interest. These were points of devotional service. These are reminders to us all. And I'm sure I've gone over the time, but... I felt it was very appropriate, it was very timely to go over a reminder of what devotional service is, not only a reminder to others, but specifically a reminder to myself. Because sometimes when you are in a position, or if you're doing something so long, you forget why you're doing it. You forget the important points of why you're doing it. And you get a little rusty. You think, up, oh, I've read this. I understand. I don't need anything else. I know what's there. We know what's in the scriptures. We know what needs to be done. The reminder is do it. Are we doing it? Not always. And as I said, this is a reminder for all the temples around the world, all the devotees around the world, and especially me. In a time when there's so many distractions, if you want to brainwash someone, disillusion them, cause illusion, threaten them, cause pain or confusion. All of those things can be seen from time to time in the media if you're really noticing things. And after a while, you become a zombie. And no matter what you understand to be right and truthful, we forget it. We become part of the mass crowd that's believing everything that's going on 
And we forget from day to day, depending on how deep our satna is, we forget that Krishna is in control. We forget that Krishna remains in control, that he will always, always, always take care of his devotee. But we have a responsibility. It isn't to say that, oh, I don't have to do anything. I can just sit on my hands and, nope, don't need to do anything. We have a responsibility to use our common sense, to use our energies in a proper way, to, at this point in time and beyond, be spiritual warriors. There are instructions and characteristics on spiritual warriorship. And maybe later on this week, if there's a special uh, time, I would like to go over that. Or those that are interested, we can talk about that later. But there are qualities and guidelines on being a devotee, on understanding the importance and the significance of your role this time in Kali Yuga. And we all can have an impact on what's going on. It's just that sometimes we need to be reminded on the devotional path, their material modes of nature, you do not want to fall into the path of passion and ignorance. You want to remain in the mode of goodness. Yes, there are things that the Lord is responsible for, Yes, he is responsible for protecting us. That's what rung out to me, but there were other points in devotional service. Yes, the Lord is responsible responsible for protecting us, but that protection can also be him putting someone in a position to do that job. There are many things that Krishna, many, many responsibilities that Krishna gives indirectly. He directs individuals to do certain things. So if you take anything from this talk here, remind yourself the responsibilities of devotional service. Read Srila Prabhupada's books. Even if no one else is doing what they're supposed to do, do it anyway. Find good association if you don't feel that you have good association, no problem. Pray to Krishna, be sincere in it, and he will send you the right association. There is nothing that he cannot do for you. It is just a matter of us surrendering and having enough faith. Smaller than a mustard seed. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. I had very little faith when I went uh, took to Krishna consciousness. I wasn't even a devotee. But I remember going to uh, a couple of uh, Bhagavatam classes at the temple. I remember uh, going to a, um, I guess at that time it was similar to Bhakti Yoga class. But I remember having enough of those conversations to help me in a situation where I was caught in a dangerous situation on my job. Immediately I thought of Krishna with just a tiny bit of faith. Didn't have a lot. Barely understood the Bhagavad Gita. But just having enough faith in Krishna knowing my heart, 
He knows your heart. He knows your heart better than I do. That's a personal thing that we have with Krishna. But just having that ounce, that little bitty tiny ounce of faith, Krishna got me through a deadly situation. So you can't tell me that Krishna does not exist. You cannot tell me that he does not take care of his devotees. You cannot tell me that he does not love each and every one of us more than we could ever imagine. I am trying to express the importance of bhakti yoga, of devotional service. That is very important right now. That is a service you can do that can have a tremendous impact on you, on your personal environment, and possibly on a universal level. Just that. Look at what Srila Prabhupada did at his age. Consider that when you're working, when you're dovetailing everything for Krishna, when you're working according to Krishna's plan, it's there. It's there in the scriptures what the plan is. Nothing is impossible. Your best backup, your best support, sometimes may not be a mate or a best friend. It is Krishna. Not that we shouldn't have mates or best friends, but understand that Krishna is there when no one else is. That Krishna has always been there and that he will never leave you. And that to the extent that you allow him into your life is the extent to which you will realize how much is available to you in whatever area of need you have. So I'll end at this point. Um, yes, it was a little different today, but it was just something where I kind of felt guided to do this and say this. And in this particular case, if anyone has been offended by some of the comments, well, most of the comments are from the scriptures, so that means that you've been offended by the scriptures. Also understand that truth is very important. It matters how you give the truth. Sometimes you have to be, Srila Prabhupada was tough. His guru was very tough. He was a lion guru. No nonsense. Don't be afraid to be strong in Krishna consciousness when you know what's right. But do it in such a way that's, that it's palatable, that it's something that others can accept. Sometimes you cannot always use soft gloves or the soft touch. Sometimes situations require a firmer, much firmer touch. But we should be honest with ourselves. We should be honest with others. And we should be honest in our relationship with others. And especially if you see someone that's very close to you that's going off track or not doing the things that they've committed themselves to doing, hopefully you have a relationship where you can say, Prabhu, is there a problem? I see that you're doing this now, and I wonder, is there something that I can help you with? 
Find a way to communicate with each other. Because communication among devotees is very, very, very important now. And presently, it's not as forthcoming as it should be. But we should be very forthcoming and honest with each other. And we should help each other. We should talk. No nonsense. We should talk, we should communicate, and we should help each other at all times. So again, really, I'll end at this point. Any questions, any comments anyone wants to share? Oh, thank you for being here. That's true. And, and Prabhu, she's speaking of not worrying about being or doing whatever the next person is doing. We're not carbon copies. We have our own energy, our own rasa, our own relationship with Krishna, totally different from the next person or the next person. They're different. I get a chance to see a lot. Even though I see outside of the pujari room and the altar, I get a chance to see a lot of energy on the altar. When you're up there, when you're on the altar, you experience different energies. You also experience energies where people want you to do the same thing they're doing, even at the same speed they're doing it. That's not me. I have a different relationship. Uh, and in this case, I understand there's a time that the curtain's open, but... Sometimes we have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Or sometimes, what do, what do the kids say? We we need to stay in our lane. We're, we're in someone else's business, and we need to stay in our lane. You know, if it's not related to us, stay out of my lane. <laughs> but no, we're not copies. We're, we're not copies. We're unique. And we should enjoy that uniqueness and share it. Because ultimately, all together, we are one big, beautiful family. When we get it right, we are one big, beautiful family. That Srila Prabhupada designed because that was passed down to him. That is the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it is in the spiritual world. If we can't get it right here, we have no business in the spiritual world. And there are so many tests here. Are you going to have a confrontation with this individual? Are you going to lose it? Or are you going to be intellectual about it? This is our testing ground, and we pray that we all survive so that at some point in time, if it's Krishna's mercy, we'd like to see all of us in Krishna Loka. Any other comments? Thank you for commenting. Any other comments? Thank you. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Sri Magbhagvatam Ki Jai. Sri Sri Radha Kalachanji Dham Ki Jai.